Four days work for five days pay. What's not to like? Well, how about the bit where you have to help everyone deliver 100% of their usual output in just 80% of the time? I'm Nigel Cassidy, and this is the CIPD Podcast. It was the way we suddenly found we had to work during the pandemic, which I guess stoked the clamour for a four-day working week. Our yearning for a better quality of life had found a focus. After a century, the five-day working, pioneered by Henry Ford, was being challenged. But then came war in Ukraine, soaring energy costs and inflation, chaos in the economic management of the UK and a lack of business confidence generally. So you might think, as I did, that this may not be the time to cut down the working week. But four-day week trials are fully underway in several major countries. 70 UK companies are mid-experiment from a local chippy to large financial firms, 3,000 staff in all. So how's it panning out, with most workers probably already saying they're overstretched? How can you reorganise to allow a 20% reduction in working hours for the same money? Can we possibly square this circle? Well, in a moment, a really interesting chat that I had earlier with a games development company right in the throes of this six-month trial of four-day working weeks. It's the so-called 10-80-100 model. That is, 100% pay for 80% of the time for 100% of the output. That coming later, but with me now, the co-founder of an employee experience tech provider who's on record as a bit of a sceptic of a one-size-fits-all cut in working hours. He's the bot platform's Tom Gibby. Hello. Hello. It's lovely to be here today. And on behalf of the CIPD, I'm delighted to welcome to the podcast the founder and MD of the Four Day Week Global Campaign. She's a business advocate, an investor and a philanthropist with more than 25 years experience in numerous industries. It's Charlotte Lockhart. Hello. Good morning or evening or hello, uh, whatever time you're listening to this podcast. <laughs> it's a bit earlier where you are than where we are. It is. So, so Charlotte, I mean, here in the UK, we may have what are claimed to be the longest working hours in Europe, but... 100% of the pay for 80% of the time, 100% of the output. I mean, this is a big leap into the unknown, especially now. So, I mean, what's the point of this trial and what do you hope that employers might do with its findings? Well, it's quite interesting that you describe it as a bit of a leap into the unknown because actually there have been a number of companies that have been doing it for quite some time. Even our own company, Perpetual Guardian, uh, started doing it in, at the beginning of 2018. So what we're finding now is that, and, and, and some research that we have underway, is that there is uh, true valid pathways to do this in the long term, so not just a, a, as a pilot trial. And why now? Because now more than ever, we need our businesses to be as efficient and as productive as they possibly can. I mean, economic times are tough. So is this not the time to be clear about what our productivity is and how we can improve it? And the reason why we give people time off is because that is the thing that gives them the incentive to help you do it. It's a partnership between employees and employers. OK, well, we'll go a bit more into the detail in a moment, but this has to be an exchange for a commitment to maintain 100% productivity. And Tom, this is sort of almost like a bit of a threat here, isn't it? If you don't give us exactly the same output, then it's back to sort of gruel and five days a week. 
Well, exactly. And, and it's one of those things that maybe sounds lovely in theory, but when it gets to practice, you start to question, you know, are there going to be some secret hidden sacrifices that I'm going to now have to make maybe, you know, during those other four days where, you know, I really need to be um, almost overproductive for those four days to, to maybe make up for the, the fifth day that's being dropped out. Um, that said, I think we can all agree. I mean, we all deserve a four-day week, right? I mean, what's not to love about a four-day week? It sounds great. You know, life has obviously been exhausting for the last few years. I mean, it was exhausting in our working life pre-pandemic. You know, technology's moved on to a point for many employees where work was already always on. But effectively, where we are now, it's created this whole debate where people have, you know, there's been a real shift in what people expect and want from work and their employers. You know, a change in what people value, a move to a far healthier work-life balance, a focus on mental and physical wellness. Um, so it's it's totally natural, actually, that after so many shifts about where we work and how we work and the technology tools we're using to work, that the next part of the debate would be, well, when do we work? Okay, so Charlotte, how do you reconcile this desire of smart employers to plug into people's uh, aspirations, to give them more time, to be concerned about their well-being, which might be more time with their families? And yet, if you concentrate the work, if you intensify it, uh, the chances are that uh, people are going to work longer hours uh, on the days they are working and we may not be any better off. I see, but we're all falling into the same trap when we're confusing busyness with productivity. So it's a large part of what we do when we are working with our businesses is to get them to define what truly matters in the business to provide the outcome that the business is there for. And so we're not saying you necessarily jump into a four-day week and that's that's us, we're a four-day week company. We say run a pilot to find out how you can reduce work time. So how can you improve productivity and be able to reduce work time? And so therefore what you're doing is you're working in partnership with your employees. It's not an us and them, and it's not a, it's not a threat or anything. It is if we can keep productivity at the same level, we want to find a way so that you can go home. It removes the threat. It removes the us and them because actually everyone is truly looking for something. So we're not necessarily saying that it will be over every Friday off. You know, one of one of the biggest criticisms of the four day week is, well, I just can't close my office for a whole day. And it's like, well, don't try. Actually, find the way that you can reduce time in other ways. And let's face it, I, I'll give you a good story around what that is. In one of the organisations, we have a father who comes in at ten o'clock in the morning every day, having walked his daughter to school. Now, giving him Fridays off is lovely, but he could only do this really special thing in his life once a week. But we, in this scenario, give him the opportunity to be something. Now, you know, there aren't too many fathers listening today, I imagine, that wouldn't have loved to have been that dad. But you do call it the four-day week campaign, and people have got a bit fixated on... 80%, you know, one day off. Well, this is this is why we developed the 180-100 the, the principle, because then it helps you define time. So we, we call ourselves four-day week because, let's face it, that's what people understand. And I do spend quite a lot of time saying, look, how about we just talk about a reduced hour work? How about we're talking about 32 hours? But what do I do with my employees who are working 50 or 60 hours? What do I do with my employees who are only working 20? The 180-100 rule allows us to look at 
what is the time that you are allocating to work now and how can we look to reduce that? I had one um, uh, one MD for, from a large company go, well, look, I, I know on average my people work 53 hours, so I don't know how I would get down to 30 or 32. And I said, well, how about you just try to, try to get down to 40? So it's about acknowledging that the, the amount that we are working these days isn't good for us. It's not good for our health. It's not good for our families. It's not good for our planet. It's not good for our businesses. It's actually not achieving anything. If you can, if you can get your business productivity done in less time, then why are you, you know, driving people in for more time? It's better for gender balance because fathers are able. We've done so much to pull women up in the workforce, but we're not doing enough to let our men out. Charlotte, that's great. Let's, uh, at this point, see how it's actually panning out at a real company. Charmaine Clavier St. John is head of people at Hutch, a startup who are part of this four-day week experiment. Uh, It's a game studio employing 140 people. And I asked her what was the reaction when she told staff they were getting an extra day off a week for the next six months. To be honest, we told the troops quite a way after we had started thinking about it. We were starting to think about people coming back post-COVID, you know, what the world of work meant to everyone. And and we, when we finally announced it, it was on, we were still remote. Uh, it was on an all-staff call via video link. And it was quite an epic moment, if I'm honest, you know, literally seeing hundreds of jaws dropping before your eyes. And, you know, the chat lights up with things like, this is the best thing ever, the company's amazing. Um, so yeah, that was quite a that was quite a moment after months of to- you know toing and throwing. Was it the right thing? Should we doing Should we be doing it now? Is it right for the business? Will it work? Will it not? But did the staff have second thoughts when they realised that um, I'm assuming as a business you were expecting 100% of the work in 80% of the time? Most people say they're pretty stressed at work already. They're fully occupied. So. How did you deal? I mean, presumably you'd already thought about how you were going to start dealing with that. But did people start to worry when they really thought about what it meant? They really did. And even prior to announcing it to all staff, you know, there were some questions at the leadership level. We brought in the line managers before we announced to everyone else. And they had some, you know, some of those had some reservations too. As you say, you know, I'm currently working all the hours God sends in a five day week. What if we're more stressed? Something that we hadn't anticipated at the time was a few members of staff. We've got 140 members of um, of staff here at Hutch, but there are three or four that were quite against the idea of a four-day week, and we hadn't anticipated that at all. So are they free to work the extra day? So initially, we thought it would be something that everyone would do. And what we said, we heard from them, you know, they might be for mental health reasons or they, you know, they live here from abroad, haven't got many family. Um, So what we did was we didn't make it mandatory. We said, look, if you really wanted to work on that fifth day, you could. We wouldn't make it mandatory. We were also thinking about ways that we could support them. Would we allow them to come into the office on that day together? We currently work from home, but would would they come in? Would we look at volunteering options together as a team of them so they could do that together? By the time we got to the trial and starting it in June, everybody, 100% of staff signed up. So what do you have in place to ensure that the end result for your company, the creativity, but the actual graft is done and that your productivity hasn't dropped with people there for 20% less time, I mean, whether physically in the office or at home? 
you know, that's the question that everyone wants to ask, right? How do you measure, measure productivity? You know, I think for every company, it's different. You know, we are part of the UK trial, so we, we have the support of Cambridge University and Boston College in, in the States to have, carrying out research alongside us and surveying the teams and that kind of thing. But initially, we wanted to make sure, of course, that there was rigor behind this, but we tried to measure too much. And I think that's been a key learning for us as going through this, that, you know, we had every single team. Um, we have, as I said at the beginning, we set up a task force that's been brilliant. We've got reps from every team, but they came back with what was realistic from their teams to be able to measure. So, for example, you know, of course, the obvious things like, um, you know, revenue, sickness data, um, but we had a, a, other teams relevant to them coming back to us too. So things like the office team, number of tasks completed, the licensing team, licenses, you know, pushed over the line and that kind of thing. But when it came to the measurements, it was proving to be counterproductive when we first did that first measurement dip. So we've scaled that right back, but we are tracking things as a, you know, well-being, of course, burnout, number of hours worked, sickness data, turnover, sprint velocity um, is a key one for the type of business that, that we're in. What's that? So it's the number of, um, we, we, we produce mobile phone games and we work on a project basis. So we have two week sprints and it's the number of points averaged out over those sprints that we complete as part of deadlines and that. Okay, so what is your sense of how successful this has been so far, how likely you are to stay with it, whether everything is getting done that you would have done before with everybody working an extra day? It hasn't been without its challenges. You know, there have been, you know, moments, especially at the start, where there was a real adjustment. You know, we noticed that stress levels had gone up. We do a sick, a full weekly check-in survey, just a few key questions, and we noticed that people were saying they were working extra hours. That's starting to, um, well, that has started to really scale back. So most people saying that they they feel they are completing 100% of the work in 80% of the time. I've got, you know, lots of managers telling us how impressed they are with their teams. You know, as part of the task force, we have um, people feeding back their challenges and wins every week. The challenges are becoming much less a case. And the wins much more, again, team leads, team people telling us they feel more refreshed, more productive. Lots of things that we've implemented at team level and at company level to make this a success. So, for example, you know, there's been a quiet hour that's been imp implemented because people were telling us it'd be helpful to have some deep work time or no meeting time. So we carried out a meeting audit across the whole business, every team was asked to track and to template what regular meetings occurred, what was the purpose, who attended, how frequent, that kind of thing. So we've done a real program of, you know, put scaling that back. So most meetings... Didn't the process itself, though, make people more efficient with meetings because they were trying to use their time in a better way? Quite possibly. I mean, we hardly have, you know, weekly meetings that run for an hour anymore. You know, they're often pushed now to, to bi-weekly to, to 30 minutes. You know, there's other things that are more practical. So, for example, as I said, people asked us for, for they needed that deep work time or just to we sit in an open plan office. So there's things like, you know, we have a bar area upstairs, which isn't used. You know, it's used for social events or, you know, end of the month. But in the day, it's a lovely space with lots of stools and couches and that kind of thing. It's not used in the day. So we've made that quiet area a bit like a quiet carriage on a train. Things like the Pomodoro technique, which non, not many of us had even heard of before the trial. And it's a tool to help with productivity and break up your day into, into chunks that you can focus. So 
people are using that. This is an, uh, a physical platform people use? Yeah, it's a platform, so it's on our intranet, but you can get them. It's quite widely available on different you know, platforms and, um, and sites and apps. Um, so people are using that, different processes. So, you know, everyone's done a real job of looking at what they can do differently. For example, our engineers and the technical guys have decided that they aren't going to release updates the day before the weekend. And people always have Friday off? Is that how it works for you? We originally thought Friday would be the day. Then heard some rumours that a few people would prefer a Monday and we thought, you know what, we should probably ask. So we did. And it came back overwhelmingly that people wanted Friday off. I think it was something like 96%. And the, the key reason was they felt more productive at the beginning, beginning of the week. Second reason was they it would allow them more time to spend with family and friends. Do you think you've boxed yourself into a corner now? Because it sounds to me, though there are questions about the productivity, you kind of slightly uh, weren't able to answer that directly. But, I mean, people aren't going to want to go back. Aren't you going to have to keep working four days now? No, I don't I don't think that's the case. I mean, we were, now our CEO was clear right from the start that, you know, we have to make this work. This is about, you know, making sure that we can maintain 100% productivity and 80% of the time in order to get 100% of the pay. So we will be getting all of the data back from the universities in December. We'll be assessing that with our own data. But it was made clear to everyone, we, we, we've, everybody has signed into an opt-in that sets out expectations about what's expected. And that as of the 1st of January, we will revert back to five days a week unless we confirm otherwise. However, what I will say is it doesn't have to be all or nothing, but it might be that we decide, yes, it could be a sort of course that we might need to go back to five days a week. So far, that's not looking like it would be the case, but it, it's a possibility, of course. But it could be that we come back four or five days a week for a short period. And collectively, we look at, any other tools or processes or that can be implemented or adjusted to make this a successful long term. It could be that we go to five days a week, but shorter days or alternative Fridays. The key thing, and some of it isn't even brain, you know, it's not, it's not hugely scientific things that have been adapted, but things like the meetings, you know, we've spent a huge amount of time, as I say, preparing for this at the start months beforehand looking at ways and tools and processes and things that we could be doing differently so even worst case if we came back five days a week we you know we've learned so much we're, we're much more productive business as a result i mean this is all fascinating I, I could talk for hours and ask you a lot more just one more question and that is that what kind of functions within the organizations have been the most difficult to adapt because i was looking at for example, Welcome, the pharma company, found it hard going for their finance, their IT, their HR teams found it very, very difficult, whereas maybe creatives in the game industry can adapt better. To be honest, I haven't heard of particular teams. There's particular individuals who I think every company will have those individuals that will always, you know, work longer hours. And I think whether you're five days a week or four days a week, those people will you know, find things challenging. Um, so that's something that we've been we've been working, we've worked with people on. I mean, speaking honestly, I've, I was always a four day a week before we entered the trial. I found moments where actually it's tricky for me because I always had the luxury of a team that was working five days a week and I could quietly give them a couple of emails to help out on or message them on a Friday. So there's been moments when I've had to go, I can't do that anymore. You know, I need to be the role model. I shouldn't be working on a Friday. You know, so I think for individuals, you know, those those kind of diehard people that have always worked out, that's been, it's been challenging for them. But 
they've adjusted you know we're all doing different things we have a quiet hour in my team every Monday after we have our team catch up to get on with work you know I have other people in the analytics team that do different things like they have a rule within their diaries so that if you ever go over five hours of meeting time meetings are moved into another day so you always have at least two hours to get on with the work every day so there's people are adjusting and doing things differently but what we're certainly not hearing is that balls are dropping we're not meeting deadlines you know or any real reason to think that actually we need to stop this that's certainly not something that, that we're seeing at all Charmaine Clavier St. John, head of people at Hutch Game Studio. Well, thank you to her. So, Tom, um, I mean, let's pick up on something that she said there about the fact that they were measuring too much. It became unwieldy when they started this experiment. They had to cut down. Uh, but I am guessing that without a lot of data, it is very hard to know if your four-day week or your 80 instead of 100 staff hours worked is going to be viable long term. Well, yeah, and I think that again, that's where the question comes down to, you know, what what do we think the benefits of this will be, and how do we measure that? And I think it was really interesting that you know she touched on things like um, a possible reduction in areas of absenteeism that negatively impacts productivity. So areas like you know a reduction in sick days, um, maybe we could see that a reduction in staff stress or a, or a reduction in burnout is beneficial to a company's bottom line and a company's general engagement of their workforce and all that kind of stuff. Even with things like just taking this lens and Charlotte you know I love what you were saying about you know almost how we're measuring productivity and it not just being about presenteeism but it being about output and I think you know even just thinking about not even moving from a five day to a four day but how could we work more efficiently I mean you know the bot platform is all about empowering people to build their own work tools that allow them to work in more productive and efficient ways. But even something as basic as looking at, you know, this recurring meeting we have, this one hour meeting that 10 people are in every single week that takes up 10 hours of time, you know, does that need to be a meeting? Could this be biweekly? Could it be done in a more async way where it's more of like a, a video that's posted and people drop comments on it or it's a, a text-based post or something like that? So I think there were some really interesting things touched on in terms of, of the benefits. But the thing that really stands out for me is how do people measure it? And I think until you can get to like a really firm um, level of measuring outcomes and output, it's always going to feel a bit soft when people are trying to explain what the benefits are. You know, the output, the outcome also massively depends on the job, the role and the area of work that, you know, you're trying to measure. So, Charlotte, um, when companies start the experiment, what is in place uh, that you put in there with your researchers and people monitoring to actually work out whether companies are continuing to hit the spot and enabling people to have more time of their own? Well, so the interesting thing about measuring productivity in a business is you're either doing it in your business already or you're not. Now, most businesses have some form of measuring how successful they are. And so what, uh, what is, is explained in that interview, of course, is that they tried to employ a whole pile of new measures to see whether new measures were what suited their business to look at different things. But realistically, what she's saying is they've kept a couple of the new measures, but on the whole, they're just measuring what they measured before. So if those measures were sufficient before, 
is it necessary to have a whole nother layer of measures if it doesn't suit the business to be bothered with measuring them now but that's very interesting yeah and so so one of the things that people you know often sort of say in this is you know but you know but how was that you know with the four-day week and I'm like yeah but how is it with the five-day week you know people say the four-day week doesn't suit everyone I'm like yeah but the five-day week doesn't suit everyone either so actually it's interesting you know what we try and attribute to this change and actually removing what we're actually trying to achieve I think Tom is a is a hundred percent right often businesses aren't measuring things properly and they're not measuring them. They're not measuring the right things, but it's still always that business's decision as to whether they do that or not. And also further to what he was saying, what what running an experiment does is it, at its core, asks you to question everything that you're doing. The meetings thing, in the office space, the meetings thing is the most incredible waste of time. And we all know this. It's in every single time management book you could pull up from the airport bookstore. And we heard examples of that in the case study, clearly. Uh, I just want to ask you, Tom, what are the issues that are most likely to arise if a company were to start this? Uh, there's a few things I'll probably list off here. The answer to all of this is Charlotte says is if people measure their output correctly this becomes less of an issue but you know you're to totally right i mean there is hypothetically an issue of compressed hours and burnout that could happen if i was previously doing five eight hour days and now i'm doing four am i expected to do four ten hour days to make up the time and while in organizations influenced by myself and Charlotte and many others, that might not be the case. I know for a fact there are many other work environments out there that might take more of a black and white approach to this. Then you have to think about, well, what are those impacts? So let's take the father who, who walks his child to school every morning. You know, take the father that takes his, his kid to, to football practice every Tuesday at 7 p.m. And he used to be able to do that because he finished work at 6, but now he finishes work at 8 because he gets Friday off. So I can see issues around that. I can definitely see, definitely see issues around, you know, um, formalized reductions in vacation or potentially even worse, unformalized, like pressure. Don't take the vacation, you know. You get that time off with that extra day. And, you know, surely a longer period of time off is much better for our, for our recovering from, from burnout and all the rest of it than just having, you know, one day here and there. But then I think the big thing for me then comes down to which day are people off and who gets to choose. And Charlotte, I know you said at the beginning that it shouldn't be it's we, we only work Monday to Thursday and then we're off on Friday and it should be maybe a bit more flexible. But there will have to be a point where there are. Well, I mean, it has to be if you're if other companies want to call you, if you've got ongoing jobs, yeah. you can't have an empty office, can you? You're going to need to have some sort of like these people work here, these people work there. But like, who's deciding that? And I think that kind of becomes an issue. Like all that's happening here is that the employer is still deciding which days we work. You know, nothing's really changed culturally there. The employer's still saying you have to work these days. And then the final thing, of course, is when different companies work with each other. So if you have, you know, an, an, an advertising agency and they work five days a week, but they're organizing a TV shoot with a company that's on a four day policy, trying to arrange those calendars might be really difficult. You know, if both are on four, day, four days and one works Monday to Thursday and one works Tuesday to Friday, you know, that calendar syncing is going to be a nightmare. So I think, you know, unless you really formalize this, 
a lot of unexpected complications start to appear. And I feel like the second you start to formalise it, it just becomes another employment law. So, Charlotte, how should HR and others best prepare and monitor an experiment? How do you try and anticipate some of these issues and set up an experiment that can be really useful, even if you don't fully go back to a four-day week at the end? Look, I think that that all of these issues that Tom raises are the questions that you are looking to resolve in your experiment. So Nigel, you know, you're 100% correct with with how that is. So that's why you run a trial. When you do this, it has to be right for the business, right for the customers, and right for your people. And so you're working towards that. Now, if you've got a, a company that has poor corporate culture and the boss is used to just demanding stuff off their people, you are not the right sort of company to be trialing something like this. You've got different problems. The companies that make this a success are the ones who work in a modern workforce, which acknowledges that the future of work in their business and in, in, in their industry includes collaboration. And it is a, a case of everyone working together. So, Tom, to your, to your point about the chap who comes in at 10 o'clock in the morning. So on that particular team, he comes in at 10 o'clock in the morning. His team leader leaves at 3 o'clock in the afternoon because he collects children from school. There's another chap who takes a whole day off work and there's another person in the organization who takes two afternoons. And I said to them, my giddy aunt, how complicated is that? How do you, they said, look, it was, it took a bit of getting used to, but now broadly doesn't come up. So it's one of those things that's around how you work together as a team, how you work collaboratively. And what we find in, um, Companies that are culturally appropriate for something like this, it is the best team building exercise that you will ever do. And that was even the the experience we found at Perpetual Guardian. When was one of those companies that was a bit siloed, 240 people, you're going to end up with silos. And we had people going, oh, I didn't even know she worked for our company. And now I really understand what she does in her job role. And so... It's about how they shared ideas as to how to reduce time. Um, We had an intranet that we used. So some of it's about the mechanisms that you use within that. And then back back to the clients, very much it has to work for your clients too. And that largely comes down to how you communicate with them and how you adjust the program to meet their needs as well. Now, sometimes, for example, I was on, on an interview with, with a lady the other day who said that they'd had a bit of a um, a, a launch and so um, she'd had to come in or be have her phone on on the Friday. They take Fridays off um, because she needed to take calls. But she said, I would have needed to have done that on the five-day week. I'd have taken calls on the Saturday. So it's about sometimes understanding what you know people do and 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 don't do uh, that is normative in a work environment and the research definitely seems to imply that companies like it i mean that that trial that's been going on in the uk i think i saw it was uh, more than just under three and a half thousand workers across 73 companies including banks retailers healthcare and hospitality so a real breadth of different types of industries and different types of workers there um now at the halfway point i think they surve- uh, surveyed 41 of the 70 companies 86% of them did agree that they would consider keeping the four-day work week beyond the trial, and 88% of them actually said the scheme is working well. And then when asked about productivity, nearly half of them said productivity had maintained around the same level. 
34% said it improved slightly, and 15% actually said it improved significantly. So it would, Im- I, I totally agree with you, um, Charlotte, that, you know, start with the trial, see how it goes, ask your staff, ask management, ask stakeholders, see how it's going, and then use that to improve. I suppose the thing is, if, if the issue is that workers and societies are feeling overworked, you know, knackered, burnt out, is the four-day working week the best solution? Or actually, should we, rather than going to that extreme, do we need to focus on some of the other things, like maximum hour contracts, encouraging people to just take vacation and actually switch off when they're away, embracing a generation of more empathetic and caring leaders and managers that make staff feel valued and appreciated, you know, even allowing people to take vacation. I mean, you, you, you know, the it'll be fascinating to see what the results are of this pilot in the US, but there might be companies piloting it that only offer their staff 10 days holiday a year. I mean, an easy way to help them recharge is to to increase the vacation. So I wonder if the four-day working week actually ends up kind of just slapping a plaster over the problem without addressing the core issues that are causing us to feel overworked and burnt out. It's a very valid point. So what, what we find, though, is that when people run the pilot, those are the things that they are looking at as well. I mean, we're not talking about reducing um, annual leave of, of any form or statutory holidays or, or of any form either. In fact, actually, what Perpetual Guardian did is it hasn't even changed employment contracts. People opt into the, the what they call the productivity policy, and so they get their extra time off and they get their, because their employment contract actually hasn't changed. And that was an anomaly because of New Zealand labour legislation, which is probably a very similar thing in the UK. Tom, you, you mentioned, um, you know, it's really important to set true um, productivity and out, outcome measures for people. But actually what we say is with people. Oh, absolutely, yeah. That's the difference. Yeah, I know, and I know that's not, not that's not what you meant, but it is actually an important, it's an important difference that we're actually going how do we because if you come into a business and you say right guys i want us to be more productive or we want better outcomes out of this generally all that people hear is you want me to do more with less and redundancies are on the way and you don't make it safe but if you say look guys if we can be more productive look you know i'm happy with how productive we are right now if if we can be more productive you can have time to spend on what Ever you want to spend it on, whether it be all the things that we that 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 people spend time on, and so this becomes it it it, it really focuses on it being a partnership. How can we be more productive so you can have more time? It's not a threat. It's about working together so we can both achieve something. And that more time applies to the bosses too. And Charlotte, this is a very beguiling picture of. Uh the workplace that you paint. But do we have to be careful what we wish for, Tom? I mean, after an experiment, I mean, some employers, I mean, I assume we're talking here about less enlightened ones, might just be tempted to cut everyone's hours and pay. I mean, these are hard financial times again now. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 convenient that just when we're talking about going into a recession and there's lots of talks about budgets being cut, that we're also maybe starting to talk about reducing hours, but promising people the pay will stay the same. Also worth noting that totally applies to salaried workers. But, you know, I mean, there's a major media corporation in New York and they have a large number of hourly 
employees and they rely on overtime so if they're told that their hours have to be capped at a certain amount that will result in a a salary cut for them so you know again i think in certain types of companies this totally makes sense i think in others it could be a, a, a bit of a disaster and very complicated to roll out okay we're coming to the end of our time now but i just want to sort of if you could make just sort of one point that draws this to to a bit of a conclusion, Charlotte. From, from, from my perspective, realistically, what we're talking about is how does a business work with its people to create the best business? And business leaders need to remember that they borrow their people from their lives. There you go. And you wouldn't disagree with that, Tom? No, no, absolutely not. I mean, your most important people are your staff. Businesses can't grow without an engaged, happy and, and, and a productive workforce. So, you know, as much as we can do to, to, to encourage that, the better. Well, first of all, there's never going to be one singular model that works for everyone. Every business is different. But ultimately, if we continue to judge productivity, and this is where I think myself and Charlotte are completely aligned, if we continue to judge productivity based on presenteeism and time rather than output, and if we also, on top of that, continue to just pass, you know, sweeping generalized laws without understanding and appreciating how it will impact each and every business, even each department within a business, then we're not really improving work for the people who matter most. Well, it's been an excellent discussion. Thank you so much to the bot platforms, Tom Gibby there and Charlotte Lockhart, the founder and MD of the Four Day Week Global Campaign. And earlier we heard from Charmaine Clavier St. John, head of people at Hutch, and we thank her too. Resources, as always, online from the CIPD on this. And fourdayaweek.com has a campaign website. Please subscribe if you don't already to the CIPD podcast and check out our recent back catalogue. Some great listening, for instance, on rebuilding lost trust and harnessing skills that employees can learn outside work following their personal interests. Maybe on that uh, extra day off if they're lucky enough to get one on the same pay. But until next time, from me, Nigel Cassidy, it's goodbye. Goodbye.